So who is Christmas for, anyway? Who's it for? Now, some would say Christmas is for the kids. That's why we buy piles of presents, and that's why we put colorful lights on the house. It's for the kids. Speaking of Christmas being for the kids, earlier this week, my mom must have been in some kind of sentimental mood because she texted me an old photo of me and my older brother from Christmas's past. This must have been taken at Sears circa 1987. It's me and my older brother, John. And as I looked at this picture, it, it, it seemed all too familiar, not just because I'd seen this picture before, but because it reminded me of a movie that I had seen. I don't know if you're catching it, but it gives off stepbrother vibes, yeah. It's given stepbrother for me. <laughs> so who is Christmas for, anyway? Is it for the kids? Is, is it for the Christians? Is it for the religious people? You know, the kind of people who will go to church on a Saturday. Maybe Christmas is for the Aunt Lindas of the world. You know Aunt Linda? She loves Christmas, loves it. She wears that, that macrame Christmas vest every year or some kind of gaudy Christmas sweater that she does not think is gaudy. She loves to show you the newest addition to her Christmas village that she got on sale on Home Shopping Network. Then there are cynical people who say that Christmas is for the consumers. It's for the people who want to buy and sell stuff that the world doesn't need. Who is Christmas for anyway? For whom has Christ come? Well, what I would offer to you is that the answer to that question is not any of the things that I've just listed. In fact, the answer to that question, who is Christmas for? For whom has Christ arrived? The answer to that question may surprise you. If you look at the sum total of what the scriptures say, if you listen to what Jesus himself would grow to teach, what you get is this message, shouting loud and clear to the world, that Christmas is for the weak and the weary. Christ has arrived for the weak and and the weary, those who are tossed and battered and broken and exhausted by life in this difficult world. You can tell a lot about somebody by the entrance that they make. And think about the entrance that Jesus makes. Uh, does he arrive with a lot of magic and fanfare? No. Does he descend from the clouds in glory? No. Does he roll down Main Street in a G-Wagon? The G stands for God, by the way. No, he doesn't. What does he do? The infinite, the ultimate, the divine enters into this world in a womb. The infinite, the ultimate, the divine enters this world as a single cell, dividing and dividing and dividing. And then as a, as a restless baby on a cold night, shivering and shivering. And then he's handed to a teenage girl who was scared. He's, he's given over to, to a dad in Joseph who's a blue-collar carpenter with calluses on his hands and anxiety in his heart. And yes, he's welcomed by angels, but the angels announce the arrival of Jesus to third-shift shepherds. And then the only people who will throw him a baby, a baby shower are some, some strange stargazers from far away. And then fast forward a handful of weeks and this newborn baby, God in flesh, is being rushed away, led by Joseph with his teenage mother, being rushed away as a refugee from a crazy king. He enters, he enters weak and weary. Why? Because he is for, he is with the weak and the weary. Now, if you're here tonight and you're here just because, 
you're here because your spouse really, really wants you to be here, or you're here because it's good for the kids, but it's really not your thing. Maybe, maybe you outright don't believe, or you're just kind of meh about the whole church thing. But what I would offer to you is that this truth, that Jesus Christ, God in flesh, has come to the world, and that he has bound himself to the weak and the weary, that this should be, this should be an astounding truth to you. That this should be a heartwarming truth to you, even if you don't think it's a truth. You see, humanity since the very beginning has heard rumors of another world. It's heard rumors of a world. A world where, where love reigns supreme, where, where justice is always done, where grace and mercy overflow, where, where there, is, there is a God reigning and ruling in that world who always gets his way, and his way is good. But what we've known from our own experience is that there's a dividing wall between that world and ours because our world is broken. Our world is bad. But what the Christian faith teaches is that in the birth of Jesus Christ, someone has finally broken through from one world into the next. The divine and the ultimate has broken through into our world and brings with him the fullness of love and mercy and grace and justice and peace brings with him all those things, but where does he arrive? How does he arrive? Does he arrive to the awesome and the capable? No. They have enough stuff. He arrives and he binds himself to the weak and the broken. He pursues and prioritizes the weak and the weary the divine. Now that should make you say, wow. And even if you don't believe in this, you should want that to be true. And even if you choose to reject it, may you reject it because it sounds too good to be true because it is, at least admit, it is good. Now back to the weak and the weary for whom Christmas exists. I know that you're here you may be hiding it really well under a big smile and a Christmas sweater, under a pile of presents that you brought from, from your town over here to, to give to the niece and the nephews. You, you, may be, you may be pushing that weariness and that weakness way down deep with every sip of wine tonight, with every bite of cheesecake at grandma's. But I know and you know that it's there. The weak and the weary are here. You're here because earlier this week you went to the doctor and you didn't get the news that you wanted. You're weak and you're weary because you're looking at your bank account and you're wondering, you're wondering if you're going to have everything you need to pay for all the things that you bought and all the bills that are coming. You're weak and you're weary because you're in a really dysfunctional relationship and you don't know how to get out of it. You just know that you're tired of it. Or you're weak and you're weary because you've got kids that are at that stage which leave people weak and weary. Or you've got a grown child whom you so desperately want to see succeed in this world, but it seems like you want them to succeed more than they want to succeed for themselves. I know that the weak and the weary are here, and if you are the weak and the weary, then I have good news for you. God is here too. And all of this Christmas, the arrival of Jesus, it's not for anybody other than you. I mean, if you're, if you're crushing it at life right now, what, what need do you have of Christmas? I mean, if you have, if you have no worries, no fears, no problems, no, no guilt, no shame, what, what do you need with a God who's broken through from that world into this world and brings with him a message that says, come to me all who are weary and burdened? What need do you have of that? You're doing great. 
But if you know that you're weak and you're weary, if you're willing to swallow your pride and say, I am mortal, I am struggling, I am weak, then this is good news for you. Because all of this is for you. If you're willing to see yourself as weak and weary, then what, what you're able to receive are certain gifts that, that Jesus, who has, who has bound himself to, to weary and, and, and broken people, certain gifts that he brings with him. And the list is long, and I won't go through the whole list because it's Christmas Eve, and there's only one long list we have time for on Christmas Eve, and that's Santa's list, so I'll keep this short. Let me share with you briefly three things that Jesus brings with him for you. Uh, the first is that he, he brings with him his presence. This, this Jesus would, would grow, and he would, he would live, and he would he'd become a rabbi, a teacher, and among the many beautiful things that he, he would say is, is this. He would say, I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of all time. He, he didn't say, I'm with you if you text me. I'll be right there. I'm with you if I'm not busy with other people. He says, I am with you, with you always, even to the very end of the age. One of the things I know as a weak and weary person is that very often you can feel as though you are alone in your weariness. That all, all people see is the, the plastic smile that you put on and nobody really knows your pain. Everyone else is far off and you are all alone. Jesus says he is present with you. When Mary lifted Jesus from the womb and she held him close, that is as close as Jesus is to you right now. He promises his presence. But another gift that he gives to the weak and the weary is his power. He gives his power. The Psalms are the songbook of the Old Testament, and all of them point to Jesus. They are all fulfilled in him. And in Psalm 46, it says this, Psalm 46 says that the Lord God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. A very present help. Do you need help? Because Jesus brings with him power for you. Now, it's not the power to fly. It might not even be power enough to get the kids to go to bed tonight with all their excitement running through them. But, but it is enough power to help you believe who he is and all the things that he brings to you. It, it is power to help you to just keep going and on the most difficult of days to just do the next faithful thing. But there's one more gift. The gift that he brings to you is a life-giving promise. Jesus would famously say to his disciples, he would say to you, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Do you need some rest? If you're weak and weary, the answer is yes. There is rest that flows from his cross. This Jesus, this baby was born. He was born to die. And from, from the cross upon which he dies flows rest. Rest in the form of, of mercy and grace for every mistake that you have or will ever make. And this Jesus who, who, who died on the cross would then rise from the grave and then ascend into heaven and he promises that he is returning. And when he's returning, he brings rest. 
He brings a day and an age where we will all be retired from the difficulties of this life and all the things that break us and, and stir us and shake us and bother us, all those things will be set aside and it'll be, it'll, be a, it'll be a world that lasts forever where the things of heaven reign supreme and are never ever watered down or taken from us. He brings rest. Now take those things together his presence, you are not alone. His, his power to keep you going. His promise that there is rest of soul for you. And tell me that Jesus doesn't jump to the top of your weak and weary Christmas list. Of course he does. Of course he does. One of the most beautiful parts of the Christmas story is the fact that God did not wait to show up for us. As we look at the birth of Jesus, what we see is that God did not wait. He simply entered in. He didn't wait for the time to be right. He didn't wait for, for us to really want him to arrive. He didn't wait for us to understand our need for him to arrive. He didn't wait for us to prove that we were worthy of his arrival. He didn't wait for the, the, the darkness to break a little bit and a little bit of light to shine through. He didn't wait for the wars to cease, the injustice to stop. He didn't wait for any of that. No, while we were weak and weary, while we were in darkness, he arrived. He did not wait to arrive for us. And as his arrival was declared to the weak and weary like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and to the entire world. Everyone who heard of his arrival, who knew that there was weakness and weariness in their bones, what did they do? They rejoiced. Instantly, immediately, they praised. They said, thank you, thank you. I mean, what else can you do when you realize that the God of the universe has broken through and bound himself, not to the, not to the proud, not to the, not to the successful, not to the rich, but to you. He sees you and he's with you and he loves you and he's fighting for you, not for them. He's fighting for you. What else can you say other than thank you? Thank you. Thank you for seeing me and for choosing me and for loving me and for being with me. Thank you. My prayer for you tonight is that you, like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and everyone who welcomed him in their weakness, everyone who welcomed him, everyone who said thank you, that you would not wait to welcome him, that you would not wait to welcome him who did not wait to arrive for you. And welcoming him simply looks like this, saying thank you. Thank you for being here for me. Before the service started, we, we sang the 12 days of Christmas. We, have a, we had a little fun. I, I think that's what we'll call it, fun. We sang the 12 days of Christmas, and, and the second day of Christmas is about two turtle doves. Do you know where the two turtle doves come from? It's, it's not just a random thing. It actually comes from the scriptures. It comes from the story of Jesus' birth. Did you know that? If you keep reading in the story of Jesus' birth, shortly after he's born, Mary and Joseph, out of gratitude for God, bringing, bringing Jesus into their lives and choosing them to usher the Savior of the world into this earth, they take him to the temple as was the custom, and they bring an offering of praise, an offering of thanksgiving. They bring a sacrifice, and the scriptures tell us that they brought two turtle doves. Now, now here's why that's significant. 
History tells us that two turtle doves was the most meager of offerings. It was what, it was what the poor people brought. It was what the people who had virtually nothing brought. And it tells you not only about the, the gratitude of Mary and Joseph for Jesus being with them, but it tells you again about the way in which God has entered this world and for whom he's entered this world. He was born into the poorest of poor families. So answer this question again. Who is Christmas for? For whom has Christ arrived? If there is any fear in your heart, if there's any weakness in your bones, if there is any anxiety in your soul, if there is any uncertainty in your surroundings, if there is any weakness and weariness, he has come for you. And my hope is that you would lift your eyes, that you would wipe your tears, and you would receive the gifts that he brings, and you would say, thank you for giving to me your presence, your power, and this promise. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, into this world. And we thank you that you have upended every expectation by arriving not with the strong and the mighty and the successful, but arriving with the weak, arriving for the weary. Father, we ask that you might lift whatever veil exists in front of our eyes and help us to see ourselves as the weak and the weary, as those who are in desperate need of Jesus, and to see us as the ones for whom he has come, not because we are worthy of his arrival, but because we are in desperate need of it, and he has decided to meet us in that need. Help us to receive him, to celebrate him, to give thanks for him, and to lay hold of the truth that he is ever present with us, even in the worst of days. To lay hold of the truth that, that his power flows through us, to help us to be the loving and faithful people that you've called us to be, even on the most difficult of days. Help us to believe. Help us to believe the promise that there is rest that flows from him without end. Help us to believe. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, this light into our world. Amen.